Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. We're recording this from our headquarters here deep in Dink Peninsula in the beautiful county of Kerry. I hope you all had a lovely and enjoyable week since our last podcast. We're all beginning to travel that bit more since the restrictions been lifted across the country last Monday. Pubs who serve food have reopened. And I suppose look, it, it does bring the question that as a nation, we're beginning to move towards and some sort of normality. But, you know, we would have to question our actions uh, to see look, what is around the corner. During the past week, 52,000 people in the US alone were diagnosed with coronavirus. Again, I'd like to emphasize the importance of looking after one another throughout this pandemic. It's affecting each and every one of us in some way. Look after your loved ones, your family, your friends. Look, not everyone's going to get out the other side of this coronavirus pandemic and this potential recession that this country is facing unscratched. Okay, if this is your very first time listening to an Inside View podcast, we would really, really appreciate if you could go back to episode one and have a listen. Be sure to rate, review and tell your friends, your parents, your family, anyone you know about this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. It's that time again. Time to welcome this week's guest. We are delighted to have Ireland's youngest professional boxer, James Power, with us on this week's episode of an Inside View podcast. He has a professional record of 5-0, 4 KOs and is managed by Shear Sports Management Company. Becoming a professional is a large step at such a young age but necessary one and Power understands that. He faced a lot of challenges throughout his career so far which we are looking forward to get into with him. Shear Sports looks after some of Ireland's elite athletes, including Jason Quigley and the McKenna brothers. Aaron and Stephen McKenna. The Cork native recently moved across to LA to be able to train full-time in a professional setup. Hi, James. How are you? Welcome to an interview podcast. I'm not too bad now, man. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. How are you finding uh, lockdown over the past couple of weeks? How are you keeping fit and keeping focused? Obviously, it was a bit difficult at the start. I think everyone was kind of in shock, but it was something we all had to deal with. And the quicker we adapted and, I suppose, got back to work, the better. So there's always something that can be done. There's always something to do. And I just focused on what I had and what I could do rather than what I didn't have and what I couldn't do. And that helped me big time. I stayed active. I think staying fit shouldn't be difficult once you don't get complacent. Um, strength work and all that, you can probably only do to a certain cons- like extent. Um, but like fitness levels should be okay. Uh, we're nearly through it now, so you know I think I think uh, the worst is behind us, and we're almost back to normal. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, it's, it's looking positive anyway. How did you keep the muscle memory and skills up to scratch? Like, were you shadow boxing every every day, or do you meet up with people to to train, or, or you know, you like you said, you could do enough strength work, but and you probably have the fitness, but how did you keep those skills up to? The boxing, um, it's a tricky one. It's I didn't meet up with anyone. Um, I'll be totally honest. During quarantine, uh, I I didn't even leave the house until about one or two weeks ago. Um, I was just staying in Gypsy. Um, my mother was going to the shop. I was staying at home with my little sister, so I didn't come into contact with anyone or anything like that. Um, boxing. It's it's a strange one. I, I I definitely done a couple of sessions a week where shadow boxing and just doing the basics, you know, you can you can always do something and find a way. Um but I had to take my mind away from it as well at other points, you know. You get frustrated and you spend the whole day complaining because well not complaining but just being frustrated that you're not gonna like step into the ring again soon and you're not going to like even be able to hit a bag properly like soon in the gym or anything like that. So I was just taking it day by day. Um, I was always training. I was doing something every day. Um, it was great for the mind as well, you know, just a bit of activity, a bit of fitness. and um, I was just doing what I can really and I suppose not trying to keep improving because that was going to be impossible. Just kind of maintaining everything and just staying the best I could. Uh, 
hopefully I get back to work and back in the gym soon and you know and just get back up to speed and back up to date on everything and I suppose sharpen up exactly exactly what what I'll do is I'll touch on the mindset part of it uh, later on in the podcast but just I suppose to to bring it back you are a Cork man Uh, what part of Cork are you from is it from the city and how did you get into boxing um, I'm living in the country. I'm living in Dripsy. It's a small village um, between Ballincollig and Dunham or Ballincollig and Macroom. It's, um, it's it's not too far from the city, but it's it's country. Uh, I started in Macroom Boxing Club actually when I was nine years old. Um, my uncle was the trainer, so it was just natural for me to go down, try it out, and see what I thought of it. But the second I stepped foot inside the boxing gym, I just felt at home. And I've basically lived there ever since. You know, since I was nine years old, you know, I was either in the gym training or thinking about being in the gym training. And my days just my days consisted of going to school, coming home, going training, coming home and going to sleep. And just I suppose it's been like that way ever since. And um yeah, hopefully it's like that for a little bit longer. And what what age you know you ha- you will have the title of being the youngest professional Irish boxer? Um, but that was about two years ago, so you'd be about nineteen now, is it? Yeah, nineteen. You're nineteen. Okay, so we we bring it back to you know that moment you realised, look, this is something I want to pursue for the rest of my life. You you mentioned when you were in training under your uncle. Um, but was there something that happened between training with your uncle and turning professional that really cemented that thought that this is something I'm going to pursue and nothing's going to get in my way? I think I started it when I was nine and obviously I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, I think around 10 or 11, I kind of got that, I, like, that dream of becoming a professional. And... It's been in the forefront of my mind ever since. It's something I've always like said. If anyone asked me what I wanted to do, it was to be a professional boxer since I was like 10. So that was before I was even fighting amateur because that's 11. Um, so I spent the whole amateurs just saying, I'm just getting experience here until I turn pro. The opportunity came when I was 17, um, which I, I took because, again, it was my dream. But it was something authentic, and I could call it my own. You know, there was no blueprint. It was my own kind of path, and I liked that aspect of it. It was, it was something that no one had done before me, and you know, I got to be different. I suppose I got to stand out, and um, I liked that. I liked that challenging aspect. But since I started, it's that's been my dream and my number one focus, and I don't think there was ever, I suppose. Uh, I suppose a divert, a diverted route or anything. It was just that was my main focus and my sole goal. Perfect. Um, I suppose you know, we we all know it's like you know in our teens it can be it can be difficult. Um, you were boxing away, and you mentioned there before you even started boxing, you were saying, "I'm going to be a professional boxer." I'd imagine you were getting a lot of stick for that. Or well, I obviously your your family and things would support you, but I tell you, we're probably getting a lot of stick from your own friends. Um, they've all seemed to be supportive. To be honest, obviously you get one or two that um are just going to be like, I suppose, negative towards it, but they're always going to be there, you know, and everyone's going to experience them. But I've been fortunate enough that my family and friends have been supportive. Um, you know, they always have been and. I'm blessed for that and I'm incredibly grateful to have them. But, um, yeah, I say it was like another, because so many young lads and I suppose young ladies have dreams of I'm going to be this and that and they always kind of give up on them. And, you know, as they grow, they like avoid failure and kind of step back into that comfort zone and you not know, settle. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to just stay clear of that and try and like follow this through to its conclusion the best I could so I yeah 
I guess that there would have been a few looking back on it that would have been saying, "Oh, he's just another another kid saying this." But yeah, well, I'm kind of proving him that exactly. I put my mind to it, and uh, yeah. and look, you 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 are you're Ireland youngest professional boxer. Um, how does someone become professional? Do you have to win a certain amount of amateur fights, or can you go straight to be professional? Just for people that wouldn't be aware of it, what's the route there? You can. I think I think you can go straight to being professional. Um, well, I wouldn't advise it. You know, it's it's a big step up, even as people or even for people that have like been in the amateur ranks for most of their life. It's still a big step up. Um, it's something I had to think long and hard about. It wasn't just an overnight decision for me. Um, I had to think about it because you're getting in there with men, you know. You're, there's no helmet. There's no other smaller gloves. Less protection. It's it's a risky it's a risky game, and it's not amateur anymore. It's more of a business now. So it's very different. It's like two different sports, really. Um, I had a long amateur career. I I always fought at a very high level. You know, um, I got in there with everyone, but I approached it with the mindset of this is experience and this is a stepping stone for me. Um, you know, people always bring up the Olympics and that route, but you know, that's an amazing achievement, even to just represent your country at the Olympics is phenomenal. But it was never something that I like was passionate about, it was never my focus, it was not my goal, it, it wasn't my path in life. and. You know, I was staying true to what I believed in. I wasn't doing it for, like, other people's validation or anything like that. I was I was doing what I am, doing this sport, you know, out of my own love for it. And that's why I turned pro. But, yeah, I think I say every boxer has some amateur experience. Um, there's very few that step into the pro straight away and succeed. But you can if you want. Um, I had to get my professional license in Mexico because I was too young. So I linked up with a management uh, company who helped me out that way. And you know, I was very lucky to have their advice and get them to sort out all that paperwork because as a 17 year old kid, you have no idea about that. I still don't have any idea about it. Um, so yeah, I was fortunate enough that they took care of everything and they got me my license and all I had to do was weigh in and make the walk when you become professional like are you you know are you um put against guys in a similar position or would you put would you be put against journeymen or would you be put against guys the same age as you or what's the how do they match it up um it's as i said it's more of a business you know it's it's a strange one um as a fighter you want to get in with the best there is you know um given the opportunity i'd get in with like the number one seed right now but every fighter out there will say the exact same thing because that's just our mentality that's how i suppose that's who we are we just want to test ourselves against the best and if you don't you know you're in the wrong sport um but that's the job of the manager and you know your coach and stuff like that to i suppose get you experience and get you the right opponents and that's matchmakers jobs as well and just to build you up and you know, there's no point putting you in with a world champion if it doesn't make sense. You know that kind of way. So, um, yeah, my couple of opponents, like three out of my first four, they weren't a brilliant level, but like I wasn't expected to step in there against like Shakur Stevenson or you know Lomachenko or any of these guys. Um, but I don't want to go with them. You know, I had, uh, I don't think any of them went past the second round. You know, I I done what I could. Um, but now I, I want to step it up again I want to step it up a few levels I want to start you know climb my way up the ranks um, but I always do and I have since the start but again you can't just jump in the deep end straight away you have to I suppose be managed in this sport and that's one negative and positive um, for many people yeah I suppose it is because you even see there that um, you know that that loss can have a big, big effect on you down the line. You could have 50 wins and one loss and people will straight away, who did he lose to? Yeah. You know, they never say, who did he beat? It's, who, who beat him? 
and then they go on to his record and he might have three losses and they say, ah, sure, he got beat by three people, he's no good. And it's just the public's like perspective of it that if they're not undefeated, it's, it's like he's not the best. But like that's only happened recently with these undefeated fighters. And it's a shame, but, you know, it's the sport we're in and it's the game we have to play, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's a it's a marathon, so it just it just takes time and patience and a lot of concentration. Um, so you you couldn't turn professional in Ireland. Um, why was that? Was it because you have to be over eighteen or twenty, or what's the what's the requirements? Yeah, you have to be at least eighteen to turn professional in Ireland and most other countries. Um, I think there's a few exceptions, uh, Mexico being one of them. So we decided to go there because you can fly into like America. We land in Los Angeles, LAX, um, drove down across the border and it was handy out that way. So Mexico was the location we chose and, you know, I've been there three times since and, you know, I, I've enjoyed it. And have you... So just um, something we might as well touch on now. So you've relocated to, apart from this coronavirus, you relocated to LA. What was the purpose to that? Is it because you, you'd be able to take fights at short notice? Um, I'll tell you, I was, um, when I turned pro, it was September 2018, I think. And that was the beginning of my uh, leaving for a year. So I was a six-year, you know, balancing my education with a professional career. Um, but one side effect of turning professional was there's no pro gyms located in Cork. So I was forced to train myself Monday to Friday, um, just alone in Talbot Fitness in Balancholic. So there's just an empty room. There's a bag in there. Um, I used to go in every evening, skip, you know, shadow box, hit the bag and, cross train you know running swimming cycling all that um monday to friday and then every saturday my mother um who i'm blessed to have dropped me to dublin so i could be coached and train with a coach at least one day out of the week um i trained with declan garrity originally and then i worked with Pete taylor um for the majority of my career uh so that was uh, my situation and my issue when school finished, it was a case of if I wanted to do this properly, because that's not ideal for a pro, you know, coaches are there for a reason and you need to learn and you can't be trained yourself, you know. So I had to, I suppose, sort that out. I had to solve that. And I was very lucky that Ken Shear, who's my manager now, invited me over and asked if, you know, if I wanted to come over, see the setup, meet everyone, get to know them and see if we're the right fit for each other. So I spent a lot of time getting to know everyone on the team. And when I like, I feel that they're a brilliant team to have behind me. And, you know, I truly believe that we will get to the top of this sport. And I put my name on the dotted line, like finalized everything and signed the contract. So I can move back over and pursue this sport you know training daily with a coach Courage Shabalala um, who I've worked very well with I had him in my corner for my last fight and you know, everything seems to be going brilliantly when I'm over there it's it's a dream come true for me and you know I'm just blessed yes, Just to, to continue on from that point I suppose it's about you know to have all those variables that you control and control the controllables so moving over there was something you could control and push you into the best position to be trained full-time, you know, to be coached by a professional coach and to train and to be a professional athlete rather than commuting up and down the road to Cork, from yeah. Cork to Dublin. Um, and look, that's, although it's not that long now, but it's it's just the tiredness and the planning and it's it's not it's not right, you know, and moving over was the, the best decision for you. Um, how did you find it initially when you went over were you you know at, at 17 probably went over 17 or 18 it would have been um you know daunting were you homesick any bit um you know my mindset is something i work on um i think a lot of athletes are doing it now 
Um, but even in life, I, I work on my own mind and my perspective and all that. So I was, I was okay. I, I took it in my stride. It was, you know, it wasn't anything um, overwhelming or anything. It, it was okay. You can put me anywhere and I'll just feel at home. But like my management team made sure that I did feel at home and I had everything I needed and they were always there. You know, my coach, um, he was like collecting me in the morning, bringing me to training, bringing me back. You know, he was always at the trainings. Everything was perfect. Um, my teammates, you know, Ron Lellis, who's in the Canelo camp and Scott Alexander, they just took me in like family and, you know, they, they treated me well and, they made sure that, you know, I became accustomed to everything and they took me under their wing and I'm very fortunate to have them. But, yeah, everything seemed okay. It's, you know, once you're in the gym training, it's, everything else is irrelevant. So, um, no, I adapted pretty, pretty okay. Very good, very good. And are you, have you an apartment over there on your own or are you, are you with a host family? What's the, what's the setup? Um, there's an apartment. Um, we're in like a, an apartment block, I suppose, and everyone's located around. So, like my coach lives across the street, and you know a couple of other fighters live in the same apartment block. So, if you ever need anything, you're just around the corner from someone. So it's it's good, but um, yeah, you uh, you're not too far from anyone if you ever need them. Very good, very good. Um. So, I I came across something about you were you were doing your orals and before you walked in you got a phone call. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you want to fight in Hungary tomorrow? Is it? It was. I think it was my fourth fight. Um, I was sitting at home. I came home from school, so I was in school, and you know, just an, another day. Um, you know, I was just doing the same things everyone else. Came home. Um, my mother had my dinner on the table went in, sat down, started eating she came down and said that uh, you're flying out um, to, like either this evening or tomorrow morning and informed me that I was fighting <laughs> you know, she said that uh, you know, she got a phone call a while ago while I was in school and um, there was a late like, pull out and on replacement and stuff like that so I flew over um when we landed, we actually weighed in, and then the next day fought, um, flew home the day after that, and I arrived at around, um, I arrived in Dublin at around 3 a.m., um, drove down, got home, and had my hours over last nine or half nine that morning, so uh, no sleep, um, not very much revision, but uh, we got it done, and... Yeah, it's a, it's a good story to tell. That's uh, that's uh, that's great preparation for uh, for the for the <laughs> Um, <laughs> just to, I suppose just to provide some clarity on that. That was your fourth professional fight. Um, so you yeah. you became professional at seventeen, and you stayed in school. Is that kind? Is that unusual for a pro athlete to become professional and stay in school? Um, and what what was your thinking around it? I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of pro athletes that are either working or in college, but I don't think there was ever one in secondary school. Um, so to have a professional boxer sitting the leave cert, I, I have a feeling I was the first to do that. Um, but there was a lot of other people my age I could look up to, a lot of soccer players, um, CrossFit athletes, um, you know, basketball players, even brilliant hurlers and footballers that have a brilliant career and you know there's not much difference if you compare us you know with work ethic and stuff like that so I could always look at them and say well they're doing it so you know I, I can't make excuses I can't play anything um education is something I think is very important um you know you can go down that whole route of you know self-education or formal education or whatever like that but it is. It's important if you're doing a lot of jobs, you know, to go to college, get a degree, and you know, if you're going to become a doctor or something like that, you need a good solid base. Um, you know, it it never it was never a question for me 
was I going to stay in school or anything like that? I was doing my leaving sort like everyone else. Um, you know, I've, it never crossed my mind that I'd drop out or anything. Um, I got a good leaving cert, uh, you know, thanks to the teachers, my friends, everyone for supporting me as well. Um, they made it a lot easier, you know. They could have made it difficult on me. The teachers could have piled on the homework and you know, they could have made that, like, a horrible year um, to try and balance, but they helped me out every way they could. And, you know, I'm very fortunate for that and very grateful. Um, it paid off, you know. I, I done the work. Um, did I leave some points behind me? Probably, but with all things considered, it um it turned out turned out okay. Well, just just on that, uh, how did you you know doing leaving sort is is testing for any any person, and it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of time goes into it, and it you know it it takes a lot of time management. How did you balance being a professional at least and doing your leaving sort? Um, I received the same speech every other student gets. Um, you know, you're expected to do three to four hours study a night and more on the weekends. And I kind of just said to myself, am I going to do that much study? And the honest answer was no. You know, I, I wasn't. And I don't think many people do. So I said, well, much, it's not much different. You know, I, I've trained... For the majority of my life, it was go to school, go training, go to sleep, repeat. Um, so I, I didn't think it was going to be too difficult, and I just prioritized my time. You know, I, you know, things were more important than others, and they had to be done first. School and boxing had to be taken care of, and you know, everything else came second to those. Um, so I didn't find it too difficult. Uh, you know, from someone looking in. It obviously looks like a lot, but when you've been doing that since you were nine, it's just another day. It's it's, it's not different, you know. Like I'm just trying to get my head around, like how, as a nine, ten, eleven, twelve in your teens, how did you have that mindset to, you know, to basically put your life? Well, I wouldn't say put your life in hold, but to be so focused at that age. And, you know, not leave those things as a teenager, you know, affect you, you know, say going out with friends, etc. Um, firstly, I think my environment, you know, has big impact on it. My mother, my family, they kind of have, they kind of install into me that whatever I start, I'm going to finish. And, you know, I've, I've, I've like reinforced that, you know, throughout my life. Um, seeing other people go through it as well, you know, because I was only 9, 10, 11 years old, I was looking at people 17 and 18 like they were gods, you know, incredibly talented boxers that just were incredible to watch and everyone had down as the next big thing. And then a few years later, you're going, where are they? And, you know, they found drink and started partying and slowly didn't you know, started not coming training and just became undedicated and after a while it's it's hard to pull back and you know it's too difficult so they just quit and i'm seeing that and i was looking up to them saying i never wanted to do that i never wanted to get to a certain point you know no matter how good or bad i was i never wanted to get to a point where I faded away and, you know, didn't do myself justice in whatever I done. So I never saw the point in um drinking or like going away and, you know, being a teenager really. Um I, I didn't see any benefit from it. And now, you know, there's a time and place for it and that's great, but I've seen so many people's lives get ruined by it and so many careers go downhill that I was staying clear from that and even from that age of nine or ten I said that's not happening I'm not doing it if this sport doesn't work out for me it's not going to be because of what I done and what I could have controlled and done better and you know that's just the way my mind was my entire life and still is today you know and I hope you know young people see that and say geez yeah you know you don't have to go off and you don't have to do this and I, I spoke previously about all the young people my age achieving incredible things. 
I think they're paving the way for the next generation, looking up to them, saying, you know, you have one, like, like crew of people going out drinking and, you know, drugs and getting into bad habits and stuff. And you have, a, like, this large group of people over here that are still doing what they love and, you know, enjoying every second. And, yeah, you do have to sacrifice, you know, going out partying and stuff. But they're following through on their dreams and they're, they're proving that it can be done. And I take inspiration from that myself and I hope that a lot of others do. Would I be wrong in assuming that you practice visualization? Um, yeah, I've, I, I said, you know, earlier that the mind is something that I've worked on and it fascinates me, to be honest. You know, I spent a whole of quarantine just reading and because I got the time to, but it's something that, you know, I'm very interested in just how the mind works and even away from sport, just how people function and, you know, habits and all this little thing. But visualization is something I, I do. Um, I kind of, it was something I read or, you know, just a lot of things put together, but it was kind of just by visualizing where you want to be and the person you want to become. If you do it enough times, you know, your mind becomes accustomed to it and it kind of tries it on and sees how it feels and after a while you become that person and it's just it's not a matter of if you will become it's a matter of when because you've seen it so many times and it's just staying patient and staying committed until you reach that point and that's something i've done you know if you see it so many times your mind does no difference between past present and future you know between dreams and reality it's it's a very small margin so if you think about it so often and you see it so clearly, like if you get there, very few things can like throw you off. Even just like arriving down to the, the arena where you're going to fight, getting in the ring, getting a feel for it, like the night before. If you like think about it then when you go back and when you wake up, you've been in that ring before. So it kind of feels familiar if you get me, even though it's a completely new place. And I try to apply that in everything, even the leaving cert. I, I try to apply approaching it with a cool mind because I saw so many students stressing and panicking before the papers were even handed out. I was looking around the room and people had failed before they even saw the exam. And, you know, they were saying, I'm going to like, I'm going to fail. I'm, I'm not going to get good marks. And you're going to go in there and, with that mindset, you're probably not going to get good marks because if something comes up that's difficult, you're going to say you don't know it. Whereas I, I just approached it with the mindset of I'm hitting this with everything I got and no matter what comes up, I'm giving it my best shot. And I think that's something that every student and every person should practice. You know, just getting your mind right and like visualizing it and just getting accustomed to it and then approaching it with the best like attitude and perspective towards it and i think it'll benefit everything it's benefited everything for me so i can only speak from my experience but i i, I really do believe that you know you could apply that to everything in life i suppose that kind of in you know again it's kind of it's been aware of your feelings um and being aware if you're feeling down or anxiety because i suppose look, you see where a lot of people there and you know for example when they're doing the leaving sort or in life in general you know, they're getting wound up, they're getting stressed, but, you know, being aware, you know, and accepting that you're wound up and stressed is, is very important because at least you can manage it then, but people aren't aware that yeah. they are feeling stressed, you know, like, so it's, it's definitely something that maybe the Irish school system should do and it, it, it would, you know, improve depression down the line and anxiety because I think that is definitely something that's going to be getting bigger and bigger in Ireland, especially with social media. Um, and that's another thing I'm going to ask you about now. How do you balance social media? It's, um, it's a strange one. Uh, I go from one extreme to the other where I think it's the best thing in the world and then other times I think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, so it's just trying to find that right balance. You know, I know when I was in like Los Angeles, it was brilliant that I didn't even feel like I was out of Ireland. You know, I had people messaging me, like my friends, family, like, I was chatting to him daily, just, how are you getting on? How is it? You know, it was kind of like just being at home. 
Um, but then you spend too long on it and you get into, you, you fall into a bastard of mind, really, if you get glued to things. And, you know, I filter out my like, environment on social media the same way I do in life, where I, I have very limited contact with things that aren't very important, you know, that kind of way. So it's a very, I suppose, focused um like following and stuff like that and i only have things that like really impact my life um you know i i, I don't spend so too much more time on it i sometimes i spend a little too much but it's just about finding that balance and i think that's the most important thing because there's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives about social media and you know you can't dwell into either side so it's just about finding that right mix and leading up to fights what's your your preparation like would you stay off social media or do you just go with the flow um i think we say way in maybe just once i get the refuel and all that i'll be back on social media um i've done it since you know i started fighting or well since I started going on social media. Um, I put it away on fight day. And then after the fight, I put up a post. And I normally spend the next few nights, I, I don't get sleep. I'm just answering messages and I'm trying to get back to everyone. And that's something that a lot of people said is not the wisest move. You know, but it's something I feel very strongly about. That if people take the time out of their day, you know, to wish me well and, you know, congratulate me on say well done i'm going to take the time out of my day to reply to them individually because i see so many people um getting messages and comments and they don't reply to them you know they could have a hundred comments and they didn't even like them or comment back or you know there's nothing but i i get that some people have too many and they can't but then i see a lot of people that have massive followings and they're getting back to a lot of people um john o'carroll you familiar with john yeah he um like he he replies most of his you know he, he gets back to him he likes him at least um i see a lot of jason does it um so when i was like younger i kind of promised myself that i'd always do that and it, it killed me seeing people not doing it so you know i, I i'll try and stick to my word as long as i can um the following's growing so my support base is getting larger, thankfully, and I'll I'll try my best to get back to everyone. But um, that's kind of how I structure it. It's leading up to the fight. I'll I'll just try and put myself in the best situation mentally leading into the fight. You know, um, but I don't I, I don't limit it. I tried it with one or two. Or I tried it with one fight where I didn't have social media, and I I don't think it impacted me like in a positive way. I I think having a bit of crack with the friends and chatting to the family before stepping into the ring was a good thing for me. So it works for me. Um, then afterwards, it's it's all hell breaks loose and I'm on the phone 24-7 trying to get back to everyone. So um, that's how I do it, I know. That's, um, that's something I, I really admire about you, the way you and you will keep doing as, as much as you can is appreciating your sport. Um, and it's whether it's even just a light, that little interaction can make someone's day. Um, and it's it's definitely something I think that'll that'll benefit you going forward because you're you're just been at it, you're being honest and you know I think people like that and they see that. Yeah, there's just too many posers as well in in my sport, especially like boxing, calling people out and you know acting like someone they're not. You know they. You know, there's no point trying to be the next Mayweather because that's not going to work. People are going to see through that, like, or they're walking around trying to be the next Conor McGregor or something. Like, people aren't foolish. They, they, they see right through that, like bullshit. So, I'm going to stay true to myself. I'm going to stay authentic, and you know, I think people will respect that. And if they don't, it's okay. But you know, I'm, I'm interested in like real influence and real supporters, not just followers, you know, and bandwagoners. So it's it's all good. Very good. Very good. Um 
just I suppose just so the listeners can paint a, a picture. So, how many amateur fights had you before you turned professional? I had I had around ninety or a hundred amateur fights. Um, I had a few losses. I had I think I had ninety ninety fights and around nine losses or something. But those losses came from like high achieving lads. Um, I'm not too sure, but it's roughly around nine and nine or ninety and nine. It's um like Irish finals. I've been in six Irish finals, I think. And I've won two. I won all my counties, and I lost. I think I lost in Munster. Um, so you know, my losses came from like brilliant lads, European champions, world champions, you know, medalists. Um, so I was always competing at the highest level, but I think like that undefeated record didn't just didn't like appeal to me at all in the amateurs. I. I saw it as experience, you know. If I'm stepping in there against the best, I'm going to learn something, win or lose. And at the end of the day, it was an amateur record. It wasn't like the be all and end all, you know. When you're 12 years old, like if you lose, it's not the end of the world. Like there's there's a lot of years there to make that back. Um. So that was my mindset, you know, around it. And how did you? I know we touched on already become professional. Like, did you? reach out to the management uh, company in, in in America or did they approach you or what, what was the what was the process or did you send in the video to them how did it happen um, when I turned pro it was actually with Assassin Boxing um, they came onto the Irish scene and kind of just took over and I I came like we had this idea of turning pro and when they came in you know, the Irish scene isn't isn't the biggest um in terms of professional boxing. So they were doing amazing things. And I just said it would be worth asking. So they were on the ball. Oh no, yeah, they kinda of like reached out to me just to get in touch and I said, Here, I have this idea and we got back and forth and you know, one thing led to another and they helped me out. They ran into difficulties down the line and, you know, had nothing to do with me because I never signed with them or anything like that. But you know, they helped me the best they could and, you know, I wouldn't be here without them. So, you know, I have to appreciate them and I can only speak from the experience I had and it was all positive. Um, so I'd done that and then I had a few fights. Like, I, I didn't have any manager or promoter either, you know, for the first for the first four fights. So I was getting help and it was more of, I suppose, what would you call it, kind of, advising me on how to handle it and how to do it and um my last fight then I, I signed with Shear and I got that fight in and there was a big difference between having something with a manager behind you and how that fight plays out rather than the first four but um yeah I'm a good place now and oh, I'm excited to see what the future holds very good and just, I suppose, on that point, for people that wouldn't be too aware, like you, you see these management companies and then you see promoters, they're completely separate, are they? Like the management company would deal with the admin side of things yeah. and the promoter would be getting the fight, is it? Or, or what's the makeup of, of that? Yeah, like a manager would have, I suppose, a stable of boxers and they're his, they're his fighters. And then a promoter is just one on a show. So it's his job to get fights, I suppose. And the manager's job is to see if it's the right fight for their fighter. So the promoter can say, like, fighter A and fighter B, and then fighters A manager and fighter B manager will have to come to an agreement for their fighters to fight. So that's kind of how it's, it's run, I suppose, you know. And you're... And who who are you training with then in LA? It's it's not connected to the management company at all. It's just it's a different gym. It's a gym, effectively, is it? Um, I went over in the summer um, to try out, you know, a few training sessions with a few different coaches, and um, I felt Kurt Shabalala, who's an ex um, heavyweight boxer. Um, just gelled we just clicked instantly and like he was in my corner 
for one or two sparring sessions over there and it was like I was training with him since I like for my entire life it just felt so comfortable so calm and we gelled and I kind of knew that you know he was the person in Los Angeles that I wanted to have in my corner. Um, well, I've been very lucky with the professional coaches I train with. You know, Declan Gary, he taught me a lot. Um, I made my pro debut with him, and he helped me like drastically with the transition from you know getting my mind around it and like dealing with the the nerves and the stress of stepping into a pro ring. Um, he helped me big time. Pete Taylor, who you know, has taught me a lot. He's like obsessed with boxing and he's constantly learning and, you know, studying how to improve himself as a trainer and his boxers. And, you know, I clicked with him. I learned a lot with him. And, you know, I still enjoy going to all these gyms and stuff. And then Courage is in Los Angeles and he's another person that's just obsessed with boxing and being a teacher because there's a lot of uh, boxing trainers nowadays, but there's not many teachers. There's not many coaches. And I've been very lucky to have worked with a few. And you, you know, being a professional boxer now, um, are you getting, you obviously get paid for fights, but are you getting things looked after over there or are you actually paying to be over there? Um, I actually didn't get paid for my first four fights um, because, you know, there's no manager or anything like that. So my mother was actually paying for it and stuff. So it was kind of um, a lot of pressure on her. And that's like one of the, the big factors I had where I wanted to get something sorted. You know, I had her driving me up and down the country every weekend. I had her, you know, driving me to and from training. There was a lot of pressure on her and I didn't want that um, moving forward. You know, it's it's selfish and you feel like a burden. So I wanted to end that. Um, Ken Shear in Los Angeles has been, you know, A1. He's always made me feel at home. Um, the apartment's there for the fighters, you know. I'm I'm in that. Um, they're helping me out with, like, everything they can. It's, it's, you know, you're not making millions or anything. I've had a few fighters, a few amateur fighters that... We're thinking of turning pro and they're popping up messages saying like, how much are you making? And I was like, if you're approaching this game with the mindset of you're going to be a millionaire, like, like Floyd Mayweather overnight, like you want to get your like priorities in a different order because that's, that's very unlikely. You know, you kind of have to do this for different reasons and intrinsic values, not like the money or the fame or the status, because you're not going to show up at, you know, 5 a.m. sprint sessions, if all you want is a couple of million followers on Instagram, like, that's not how this is going to work. Um, so I'm getting enough to get by, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's okay. I can train, I can cover, and I can fight, and, you know, I, I'm not too pushed with everything else, to be honest. Good, good. That's, that's the main thing. It's, it's, uh, it's going the right direction. Um, I suppose just... Just to create a picture there of your first professional fight, um, was that in Mexico or was it the one in Mexico, the fourth fight? What was your first fight? I've had, I've had my first fight was in Mexico um, because I had to get my license in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. My second fight was in Mexico. Um, I had a fight in Budapest, I had a fight in Slovakia, and then I had my fifth fight in Mexico again. Um, my debut... I landed in LAX with Declan Garrity. The two of us flew over. Um, I was only training with him a couple of months. Uh, we landed. Assassin had a fighter in Los Angeles, uh, Israel Dufus. He collected us. We crashed on his couch um, that night. I woke up at the crack of dawn, drove to the border, um, weighed in, uh, fought the next day, um, came back to the border that night, um, came back to Israel's house, woke up the next morning, went down to the Wildcare Boxing Club in Hollywood, um, had a little training session, flew home that night, and I was in school the day after. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Wait, did jet lag come into this any, anywhere? Um, it hit me a few days later, but, um, yeah, that was just my debut. I um, 
it was pretty quick, you know. It was it was in and out, um, but it was a different experience. It, it's something that you know I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, you're in Tijuana, just you know. I hadn't. I, I'm living in the country, so it's a massive difference. Um, you know, you're in a, a nightclub. It's a Mexican nightclub. You know, there's people everywhere. It's all lights. You're getting into the ring that you'd never been in before. You're fighting a person that you know you've never seen. It's it's, it's completely different. But um, I took it took it pretty well, and you know I, I enjoy Tijuana. I think it's um a cool place. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. Did you do much research on your first fighter? You know, I suppose obviously you were you were nervous. You know, leading up to it. Did you not look at who he was and just go to the floor? Did you do a bit of background digging? Uh, I didn't know who he was until I, I stepped on the scales next to him. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I didn't have. I, I didn't. I didn't know any of my opponents to be honest. Um, I, I don't really want to know uh, myself. Um, you know, it doesn't make much difference to me really. Um, I'm getting in there with my A game. Uh, just little things like is he southpaw? Is he orthodox? You know, little things like that. But I saw him on the scales. Um, got in the next night. Declan kind of had an idea of you know, what to expect um, when the opponent, you know, coming out uh, pretty strong. They're going to be tough in Mexico. They're going to try and put on a show for their fans. Um, the fans were pretty good over there. Uh, pretty good support ringside. Um, when they realised that this little Irish kid will take a few and land a few and, you know, he's not going to just run away and, like, dance around all night. It was pretty good. I got the crowd behind me and, I got a massive cheer and, you know, that's something that kind of made the night. It's not Madison Square Garden or anything, but it was pretty cool all the same. Okay. Look, that, that will come in time. It's uh, it's uh, baby steps, I suppose. Look, it, it has to start somewhere, but um, it's definitely, look, that's definitely great to hear that he, the first, first three fights went off very well. Um, you, from what I can, what I can see, they're all uh, KOs, were they? And, Second or third round stoppages. Yeah, the first. In in my record, my fourth fight's not there. It's a phantom fight. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, I think it was a case of we crossed the border in Slovakia or something, and um, I wasn't uh like allowed fight or something like that. You know, it's the Hungarian Commission gave me permission because I was under eighteen, and there's just something weird going on, but. I don't think it's going to come up. I've tried my best. Um, so I'm down as four now, but I'm actually five. Uh, yeah, first one was a stoppage in the second round. Second fight, I was against the kid making his debut. He was a couple of weight classes heavier than me. His opponent pulled out. My opponent pulled out. I said I didn't fly 14 hours for a holiday. I'm getting in the ring and start fighting someone. Um, you know, I, is he the only fella that's there? And they were kind of saying, yeah. I was like, he'll have to do like, I, I, I didn't sit um, he was 18 making his professional debut um, he was light welter and I was supposed to be super feather so you know I had several few weights but it was you know it wasn't too bad I, I knew he was going to be strong I knew he was going to come but um, I pushed him back it, it was a little tussle and I got him I got him out there in the second round Um few fights after that happened, same thing. And, you know, then people started saying, you know, oh, what will happen when he gets into the four, six, eight, you know, kind of rounds. And my endurance is something I, I'll stand by, you know, against anyone. I think I have incredible endurance. Um, So I said I could do the four rounds easy. And in my last fight, I, I came back to the stool after the third round and, you know, I wasn't even like, didn't break. My breathing was perfect. I, I could have done I could have done it again, you know. There was no hassle there. So I'm just trying to pick up as much things as I can very early on in my career to make me a more complete fighter so that when I am stepping up in levels that I'm ready for that challenge and I'm ready to step it up and keep improving. It's evident that you're extremely motivated and focused. What drives you? Intrinsic values. Um a deep desire. It's I want to become the best version of myself. I'm not trying to reach a certain level of fame or a certain level of money or like anything like that. 
it's not even win a world title it's to become a world champion you know it's it's different things like i want to i never want to reach my potential but i always want to become closer I never want to become the best i just want to always become better you know that kind of way um so i think if you attach your your motivation and your goal to something extrinsic you can get there and then what do you do after that you're lost you know if you have that end date if you reach it it's it's going to be pretty hard to set another goal whereas if your goal is something inside like i want to become the best version of myself i want to reach this level this level of like of a boxer and stay there i want to become this person then you're going to be chasing that for like the rest of your life and that's something that drives me you know my family as well um my mother you know my sister um people always say that i'm dedicated and i've invested a lot of time but you know my mother's invested just just the same amount of time she has dropped me to training she had to wait while i was in training and she had to drop me home you know she was doing those trips with me so she's invested a lot into me and you know i i owe to her i owe to myself i owe to my friends i owe to my teachers who were there with me at the start of my career um i owe to a lot of people just to do the best i can and see this through to his conclusion very good and just to, to follow on from from that look we all see you know social media it's there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there do you get many do you get any and if so do you get many negative messages there's always going to be a few there's always going to be a few you know if you get 100 people in a room chances are one of them's going to be you know as you said a keyboard warrior um i think everyone's going to experience some negativity in their life but just have to take it as it comes um I think a lot of people focus on that one negative thing. You know, you could have thousands of like positive people encouraging you and wanting to see you do well, and one person that says something bad, and that one person is the one you focus on. Same way we were talking about the wins and the losses, you focus on the bad one. Whereas I kind of flipped that on his head, and I said, "Well, yeah, he mightn't support me, but look at the amount of people that like that do. You know, he mightn't." want to see me do well but i have so many people that are behind me and support me so i've just changed my perspective and it's changed everything um another thing as well is if people are focusing you know so much on what you're doing they probably don't have like important things to focus on themselves you know and if you think of it that way you know it's again you'll never be um dragged down by someone ahead of you you know, and all those little things kind of make sense once you start piecing them together. In in order to you know to train your mind, um, I know you mentioned there you you did a lot of reading over lockdown, but what people would you follow in your in your social media on your social media platforms? Would it be you know you've you've The Rock and you've Gary V and you have. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of other athletes out there. Who who would be your go to? Um, I take inspiration from everyone. Uh, to be honest, um, I think a big reason uh, I am the person I am today and someone who has had a massive impact on me is Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big listener in that. I I've been listening to it like nonstop. Um, every day without fail, you know, sometimes two or three episodes a day um, around training and stuff or even while you're running, you know, just having it in the background and just picking up things from the guests you have, you know, you can learn something from everyone. Um, that's true to life as well, you know, that old person that lives at the corner of uh, your terrace, you know, you can learn something from them. Um, my go-tos, yeah, Joe Rogan, The Rock, you said him, uh, Kevin Hart, um Cameron Haynes. Uh I'm obsessed with like endurance athletes. I think their mindset is on a different level. Courtney Dowalter, um, you know, David Goggins. I think he's the, the number one. 
you know, just just everyone. You can take a little thing from everyone, but yeah, on social media, if you're following those people and you cut back on, you know, the people that aren't going to benefit you, it's only just going to improve your life. And it might be tiny little changes, but they're going to equal big results in the long run. How do you deal with setbacks? You know, whether losses or setbacks outside from boxing? Um, like failures. Um, I wouldn't say f- failures. You know, maybe stuff that might just throw you off the road. You're traveling. Wrong. It gets frustrating, but we said it, we take coronavirus as one. Um, this COVID nineteen—that's a massive setback. Um, it's it's put everyone out of place. For me, it's it's halted the move to America. It's thrown that up in the air completely. Um, so that's the biggest setback of all. But you just have to accept it sometimes. That if you can't do anything about it and it's out of your control, there's no point trying to control it. Um, it's something, something that's a lot like easier said than done. Uh, you kind of have to go through it and just kind of trying to deal with it. Obviously, I got frustrated. Um, whenever setbacks come but you kind of have to approach it with the mindset that it's going to happen and you just have to accept it and work your way around it Um, reading you know books has helped me The Obstacle is the Way is a perfect book for this Um, just speaking about how you can turn them setbacks into a positive thing and you know at the the beginning of quarantine uh, I was in this you know, the same mindset as everyone else that this is just a completely negative situation. But then you have to start looking at the positives. You know, you have more time to do this. The things that you, you know, neglected just in ordinary life, you can now focus on. You can spend more time with the family. You can do things like that. Um, that's how I deal with setbacks. Uh, it's just a part of it. You just have to adapt and move on. Very good. Um, look, just to to finish this up, what does the future hold for James Power? What's the, what's in the pipeline? Who knows? Um, obviously, I want to keep moving, moving forward. I want to keep progressing. Um, a big goal of mine, and I've said it time and time again, is the WBCU belt. It's for fighters under twenty three years of age, and I've had my eye on that for a long time. Uh, you know, I that's something I'm focused on short term, um, long term to become a world champion. Uh, it's not to win a world belt, it's not to win two world belts, it's to become a world champion, become a fighter at that level. You know, I think that's everyone's dream just to reach the peak, reach the pinnacle, uh, to become the best person I can, and then just get involved in other things as well outside the sport you know I have different things going on here and there um, I've always been like obsessed with people that are just in everything like you see The Rock you see Kevin Hart you see Michael Jordan with you know his clothing line you see they're, they're not just athletes they're a brand and that's the end goal for me if, if we ever get there that's something I'm going to chase and just to be happy along the way, you know, enjoy the process. If it's good, if it's bad, the ups and downs, just take it all and enjoy it. Will you be going back to LA in the next few months if um, if the restrictions allow it? And will do you reckon they be a fight before the end of the year, or do you, or is that off the cards now? Hopefully, um, hopefully. Uh, I'm just I have to take it day by day. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, it's all out of my control. I've signed everything I can. I've done all my paperwork. It's it's just a matter of when my manager and his team get the call to say he's all clear to come over, and that's off the visa and you know all that, and then I can fly over, get back into camp. I'm in good enough shape. My endurance is there. It's just touch back up and things, and I want to step into the ring as soon as possible. And once I'm in there, once the ball's rolling, I want to keep it going. I want to keep that momentum and I want to fight as often as I can, you know, as frequently as I can. And just get as many fights in as possible, really. Um, the more the merrier for me. You know, I'll never say no. Um, 
So hopefully, fingers crossed. Very good. Uh, look, James, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks very much for your time, and the best look going forward. And look, we'll all be keeping an eye on how you get on um, in your next couple of fights, and you know what the future holds for you. Look, do you want to plug your your Instagram there, your Instagram handle? Um, at power one three one underscore, and that's the best place to to find me. Perfect, perfect. Uh, be sure to check it out because there's a lot of positive content there as well. Um, and watch this exceptional athlete push forward and grow and reach reach heights that people you know might you know at, at his age mightn't be able to reach. But uh, look, best look, James. And again, thanks so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with James Power. It is clear that he is incredibly focused, driven, and level-headed at such a young age. Um, as an athlete, and how he conducts himself is very, very admirable. There's a long journey ahead, but the future is definitely bright for the Corkman. From everyone here at an Inside View podcast, we would like to wish you the very, very best luck going forward, James. That is all from us on this week's podcast please do get in contact with the show if you have any stories from being part of a team whether it's a sports team or a corporate team please do let us know don't worry everything will be kept confidential please don't forget to rate review and tell your friends and family about an inside view podcast and please do go and follow us on our social media channels to be kept up to date with all information in the world of uh, on the ball team building you can see what we're about what we offer and what we can offer your corporate or sports team you'll find us on instagram at underscore on the ball team building on the ball team building on facebook and over on twitter you'll find us at we are on the ball too that is the digit two have a lovely week be sure to tune in next week when we have another exciting guest on Till then, please do stay safe and remember, create in it, fan. Talk to you all soon.